Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come and take a look at the snow. Bright white as far as your eyesight goes. Come and take a look at the fields of snow. I'll just get my coat, then we're good to go. Come and take a look at the lake. Let's have a quick skate before it gets late. Come and take a look at the frozen lake. Put your clothes on, mate. Don't make that mistake. Greetings, holiday shoppers. There's just 201 shopping days left until Christmas, and you know what that means. That means it's time for another episode of Christmas Creeps, a holiday podcast about holiday movies. Hi, I'm your host, Joseph Wade. Here with me tonight are my co-hosts, Johnny Five, the human robot. Present. And Karen York, the not-so-human... Wait, no. Just regular regular old human. Not robot. The not-so-human robot? Not quite human robot. That's about right. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I would like Small to... Small wonder. Yes, exactly. I would like to take this time at the beginning of this podcast to wish everybody out there a, nas- a happy National Yo-Yo Day. If you're listening to this on the day that we release, which is uh, June 6th. Uh, if not... Um, what about National Yo-Yo Dieting Day? I mean, who eats yo-yos? Uh, that's the question. I mean, that's the first question. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but tonight is a special night here on Christmas Creeps because not only are we celebrating Christmas, yet again, we're celebrating uh, Johnny Five the Human Robot's uh, actual human robot birthday. Yay. Even though it's tomorrow, we're doing this tonight, mm-hmm. and we gave Johnny Five the pick of the litter of Christmas movies from our big fancy list. And because we did it last year, he decided to... to uh, I picked Die Hard. He picked Die Hard, but even though we did that last year, uh, we're doing Die Hard 2 tonight. I wish we had done Die Hard this year. If we could have just made that a tradition, that would have been great. Right. It would have been better than the night we had. Yes. I'm sorry to say. Um, because if you've seen Die Hard 2, you know, not quite as good as the original. Uh, nor would anybody expect it to be. But uh, we're here tonight to explain to you why and... Hopefully, if you haven't seen Die Hard 2, maybe steer you away from it into other, other Die Hard directions, like Die Hard or Die Hard 3. Uh, there are good Die Hard movies out there, believe it or not. So are the more, more of the sequels are actually decent? Uh, yeah, only Really just the other one. Oh. Uh, number three is, is the other good one. Okay. Um, I, would, I will make a, a, a case for four, but I know I'm kind of on the, on the losing side of that well, argument. number four has your best friend Kevin Smith in it, doesn't uh, it? Yeah, I know, which, is make it, which complicates things. I realize that. <laughs> but the thing that I like about Die Hard 4 is that it kind of doesn't give a shit that it's a Die Hard movie. And it's just one of those, like, God bless them for trying kind of movies. Okay. You know? If I had to rank them in order, it would be one, three, and then a decent-sized drop to two, and then a huge cliff to four and five. Really? Pretty much. I mean, I would I would maybe even put four above two, but then I realize that's kind of a stretch. Yeah, spoiler alert, I didn't care for two that much, so. Um, I, I give two uh, points, though, for just being, like, a schlock-ass, like, action movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's the perfect kind of movie you can just put on TV and just I need background noise with occasional explosions. Right. It's it's very much the kind of movie where you know they're trying to be Die Hard, even though they don't really have much of an idea of what they want to be. Right. Uh, it's based on was it based on a script for a, a novel. No, it's based on a novel called 58 Minutes, right? Yeah. And it's, it's the first in a long line of Die Hard sequels that have nothing to do with Die Hard. Because, you know, Die Hard 3 was originally a script called Simon Says, and Die Hard 4 was originally a Wired Magazine article. <laughs> what? Yes. Actually true. Yeah, we talked about this we, last yeah, year. We did, we, yeah, we talked about this last year with Brad. Uh, and I blocked it out, apparently. And so here we are with Die Hard 2, uh, subtitled Die Harder, which I feel like is one of those 
um, Hollywood jokes that kind of comes around every once in a while when a sequel comes out, and yeah, it's just like uh, you know, Cube Two, Cube Harder, or Saw Two, Saw Harder, or something <laughs> like something like that shit. Electric Boogaloo Harder, but uh, no, Die Hard Two is is. It's a special child in the Die Hard franchise because it wants so bad to be Die Hard. It, it, you kind of want to root for it to to like be as good, but it just can't quite make it. You know, it's kind of sad because for an action movie with a bunch of explosions and gunfire and blood and shit, it's pretty boring. It actually, yeah, it really, really is. <laughs> it's, and I, I hope as we try to explain what goes on in this movie, we don't bore you, the listeners, because. Man, it's a challenge to yeah. get through Die Hard 2. But you know what? Here we go. Okay. All right. So we're in Washington, D.C. McLean is now an LAPD cop, um, but he's in D.C. He got there before Holly. She's on a plane coming into D.C. The idea right. is that they're visiting her parents who live in the D.C. area. Yeah. Um, so they're at Dulles International Airport. Yeah, they're yes. at Dulles. And he he's sitting around the airport. He sees like guys walking around with like army fatigues and guns. And they go into, like, a restricted area. And he's like, what the fuck? He goes in there after them and starts yelling at them, hey, I'm a cop, you idiot. And they decide to start shooting at him. So they get into a fight in, like, a combination of, like, a baggage sorting area and the steel mill from Terminator 2. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, heavy, heavy-duty heavy industrial baggage handling. Yeah, there's, like, smoke and or steam coming out of a lot of places and conveyors it's just, everywhere. Yeah, it's just a room made of conveyors. Yeah, right, like, like a, fucking, like, girders and shit. There's, like, a fucking steamroller thing over one of the conveyors to destroy luggage, I guess. I don't fucking... Yeah. I don't know. This was in an age before, like, those hard, like, hard shell, like, cases... Or hard shell, you know, luggage bags. So, I guess... Yeah, I guess that's what that is. It's, yeah, to, to, fl- make, to flatten the suitcases out so they fit in the airplane better. It must be, I don't fucking know. Yeah. He kills one of the guys, the other one gets away. Um, back to Colonel Stewart, is that what Stewart, it was? Stewart, yeah. Yeah, Colonel Stewart, who is... William Sadler. William Sadler, who... Who you might remember from uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. He played Death. <laughs> he play, He's in, like, The Mist. He's in uh, The Shawshank Redemption. Okay. He's in a lot of stuff like that. He gets um, introduced in the movie by doing naked karate. Yeah. And the, the other thing going on at the airport this day, which becomes important later on, is that um, a dictator from Valverde. Yes. From the South American country of Valverde. Sounds delicious. Which you might remember from everything else that Steven D'Souza and Joel Silver have done. Predator, Commando, just about everything, yeah. Um, he's basically Noriega. He's he's yeah. being flo- he's being basically he's been arrested for drug charges of some sort and he's being flown in for a trial or something. Right. I don't know if he's going to the Hague or what the hell's going on. And also a po- uh, point of note uh was Esperanza? Yeah. Is that his name? Esperanza? Yeah, every time they said it I I was expecting them to say Esperanto. Yeah, it's it's a it's an odd name, but it's Franco Nero who <laughs> if you don't know Franco Nero was uh Django. He played Django in all the old uh, spaghetti westerns. Okay. So like it's odd that it's odd to see a guy like that show up as a villain in a Die Hard movie. Anyway, but uh, yeah, he's there, and then Dennis Franz shows up to like basically rail at John McClane for causing a scene in his baggage handling claim. Yeah, area. yeah, um, and see, yeah, and they're facing off, and Dennis Franz is, is like the most Italian guy ever. It's like it's not Carmine Falcone because he's a mobster, right? It's Carmine it's Car- Carmine Lorenzo. Lorenzo, that's it. He's not a Batman villain, I don't think. He's pretty close. Maybe it was Carmine Falcone, and he was just in really shitty witness protection. 
<laughs> well, I mean, you get, every mob boss has to start somewhere. All right. Hello, Mr. Thompson. Right. He still has, like, one of his names, and he's in a dangerous profession. Yes. Anyway, what the fuck even goes on next in this movie? There's there's a report at the airport, too, and then on the plane Holly's on, fucking Richard Thornburg's on that plane, too. Um, you might remember from being William Atherton. Yes, from, from such notable films as Die Hard. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and he... His kind of whole story is that he's kind of pissed off that he has to be on a plane with Holly because it violates his. Um, he has a fifty-yard restraining order against her because she punched him out on, on like national TV, and yeah. yet they were both allowed to book seats on the same flight. Go, go, go figure. Um, but uh, okay, there's a lot. There's actually a lot of like weird moving parts in this movie that eventually come together because at the same so time, yeah. at the same time, like some guys end up who who are not later to be Sadler's guys, right? Stuart. Stuart, yeah. Yeah, end up actually, like, killing a dude in a church and taking over the church, installing all kinds of wacky communications equipment, cutting wires, and doing all kinds of crazy shit. Right, it's, it's like, sort of, like, the, the outer outpost of, of the, the airport, and they're taking it over so they can, like, set up their own communications outpost. Yeah. You just reminded me of them killing the guy in the church. I don't think this happened again in the movie, where when they killed him, it went slow-mo as his body, like, flew over a couple of pews. It does random slow-mo every once in a while, yeah. yeah I, like, I, the, I miss the rest of it. The movie, like, relished this character's death for no reason. Yeah, it was just it was really odd. I, I think it was the first, was it the first in the movie or the yeah. second? Yeah, it was, like, the first or second scene in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I do want to give this movie props because they're actually using, like, flash suppressors and they're not using silencers, which are total made-up bullshit. Right. So, I, we'll, we'll get into this later, but I, I fully think Rennie Harlan really, really tried hard to make this a good movie. He, that, not that he did, but he really, really tried. You can't try to make Die Hard something like, like realistic yeah. and attainable, though. I it's mean, got to be over the top. I mean, I'll put it this way: he made a good like schlock action movie. He, but the problem is, is he was trying to make a Die Hard movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, so moving on, so these guys are setting up their outpost to bring this general in. They, uh, what's happening is they are cutting into the uh, all the communications going to the airport, basically right. fucking with the with the control tower. To the point where no planes can land unless they say they can land. These guys say it can land. Exactly, yeah. And they only say that the 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 general's plane can land. And they cut off all the lights and stuff on the runway as well, so yeah. the planes can't see. So all the, all the incoming planes are basically stuck circling the airport until mm-hmm. either they're allowed to land or just they run out of fuel and just crash. And the reason they're doing this is because I, it's never actually fully said in the movie, I think. But I think the reason is just that whole like idea of 80s, the drug trade. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get – it's kind of probably a lethal weapon type of thing where the soldiers kind of went rogue and started doing their own thing to make money. Well, the personal motivation is is kind of murky because, like, characters, like, cross and double-cross each other. And then, like, people you think that are good guys are actually trying to be bad guys. And it's just, like, they kind of hand-wash it and Mm -hmm. lampshade a bunch of that shit. But, like, the actual, like, nuts and bolts reason for why they're doing the thing they're doing is – it's kind of like they're just doing the diehard thing over again, like where Hans Gruber says, you know, if you if you if you steal a hundred dollars, you can get away easy. If you steal a million dollars, like people will find you. So they're they're trying to basically fuck every, as much shit up as they can, so they can get away with this general scot free. Because like, who's going to be looking for them? Yeah. So they're like, I was thinking about this during the movie. Why didn't they just like land at some podunk airfield in the middle of West Virginia and then just like ship them out that way? Uh, the, the answer is because somebody's going to notice. There's paperwork. There's like air traffic controllers. Like somebody's bound to notice. So if they fuck up literally everything, 
they can just slip out un, un, unnoticed. But they're not. But they're not though, because this is totally like a hostage thing of like you know, or a terrorist demand thing of like you know, we want an airplane and blah blah blah. And Colonel Stewart is not at all like coy about his identity. Mm-mm. Like you get the idea that like he's he's a former special ops guy who's gone completely rogue and is like people know who he is, but people know that he's like. But then again, he's also just running around the airport, just you know. Yeah, like they catch him on TV, like it, like reporters walk up to him and ask him for like statements and shit. His, like, like his he's, statement is "fuck you, bitch." Yeah, yeah. So like he's he's like a known property. He, they know he's in the airport. But what I'm saying is like they could just like sneak in and sneak out, but someone's bound to notice and catch up with them. So where their plan is instead to just cause as much ha- havoc and chaos as they possibly can, basically, and yeah. hope and hope they get away scot free. Which is a dumb plan because John McClane is there and he's smarter than that. <laughs> yeah, the the one guy he kills in the baggage in the baggage area, he gets his fingerprints and faxes them to uh, Carl Winslow. Yes, Carl Winslow comes back and uh, in his one scene in the movie, I think, just yeah. one, he faxes him back the uh, the guy's like entire uh, entire file. Yeah, it's a, I it's was a mil- bummed that there wasn't more of him. By the way, yeah, it was a military guy who's been dead for two years. So right. Which they immediately they both think, well, it's obviously some like black ops type thing, right? Not only not only is he dead, but he was killed in Honduras, so right. he was like killed on assignment, or quote unquote killed, and then got right. yeah, like the grid. like some CIA shenanigans, basically. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And then what the fuck even else happens in this <laughs> I don't movie? Know. So we got all these planes circling, and they end up at the uh, Stewart like intentionally crashes a, a plane flown by Cole Meany. Yeah. Just to prove he's not fucking around and he will to- and he totally has control over this. And the way he okay, the way he does this is he he fucks with their their altitude telemetry. I don't I don't know air, airline terminology, but he fucks with their altitude. They, the guy turns a dial to set the altitude from zero to negative two hundred feet, which causes the plane to think it's two hundred feet higher than it really is. Yeah, yeah, so it just crashes like just straight up, no down into the ground, and. Okay. But stop the plot for a second. Why does why does any yeah, why is there a knob that controls that shit? Yeah. Why is there a knob that controls what the, the planes think the altitude is? Like I could, I, I'll, I'll buy the idea that he's able to hack into the plane and fuck with its sensors, even but in the, 1990. But the the idea that there's literally a fucking fuck with the altimeter knob, right? <laughs> there's an altitude knob just sitting in air traffic control. You can change it whenever you want, but maybe you probably shouldn't because the altitude never actually changes. It makes me think it's like the plane version of like when you have to like like a bathroom scale or something when you have to fix it like tear it out zero it out oh it's like where you where you put you press your hand down on the scale and then turn it off and turn it back on and now it thinks you change the resistance on the scale you weigh five pounds (sighs) light as a feather but yeah like that's that's the kind of movie this is okay i remember where the plot goes now okay good okay so then the air traffic controller guys one of them being um art Bell? Art Evans. Art Bell? Art, who's Art Bell? The so, ghost, ghost, yeah. conspiracy theory so guy. So he's just like fucking like reading off conspiracy theories to all the pilots and their captive audience. Who was wearing an Argyle sweater, so we called him New Argyle. Yeah. Which I think that might be also the movie's point as well. So. Probably. Yeah. But, but he, the movie he, gives us two Argyles for the price of one. It's yeah. true. There's Janitor Argyle as well. Yeah, there's White Argyle. So um, he they they are at this point McLean's been kicked out of the tower so that he's not messing with them. Right. They are they they say okay well we'll go to our backup 
generator thing and broadcast from there, you know? Yeah. And on the way, they get ambushed by, among other people, Robert Patrick. Mm-hmm. Who just like shoot all of like the the airport basically all the airport SWAT team basically pretty much yeah he, he, McLean goes not with the SWAT team but he goes in there concurrently with the SWAT team the SWAT team gets completely wiped out and yeah, McLean and he, gets he, out of there basically by the skin of his teeth yeah he and that's that's where White Ar, Ar, White Argyle comes in he meets the janitor Marvin I want to say Marvin yeah and Marvin shows him like how to sneak through the air ducts to get over to where the, all this fun stuff's happening I now, want White Argyle to be like my superhero name. <laughs> <laughs> By the way. Oh, the most stylish superhero. Yeah. So, he, so wait, hang on. White Argyle, Marvin, I'm sorry, Marvin, Marvin. I thought Marvin was in on the plot, the scheme there's with a, Stuart. Yeah, there's a deleted scene that's deleted for good reason because it really ruins the pacing that shows yeah. that Marvin just happens to like live in his little janitor closet, basically. Yeah, because right. in the scene where he's introduced, he looks... he. This is one time I was actually actually paying attention. He's super squirrely and seems really suspicious. And the idea of like, oh, I live down here and I don't want you to find that out. That yeah, that well, gives and, a reason for it. And yeah. there's and then there's that scene where like he's showing McLean all the the blueprints, and then like the the walkie-talkie underneath is like on the the on Stewart's wavelength. Yeah, that's another thing. They have all the guys have walkie-talkies, but you have to like have a special code punched in in order to use it. Right, and so, so he was punched in, which makes McLean think that he's in on the plot. Right. So McLean basically threatens to kill him. Yeah. And apparently he's not. So no, he, he literally found he literally found that dead guy's coat in the baggage claim and took it because like, hey, free coat. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Then um, eventually. Like some some army special forces guys show up. Who is Grant? I think it is. I think so. Um, they show up and they're going to. Their their idea is basically to. Uh, there's again, there's a bunch of different things going on there. One of the things that the air traffic controller guys get an idea to do is that there's like an outer beacon that all it does is just goes beep 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 to tell people that it's there. Yeah, yeah. And their idea is, well, let's go to there and screw with it and start broadcasting over it because we can broadcast whatever we feel like on there. Mm-hmm. So they end up telling all the planes, you know, look. We got shit going on. You got to circle for a while. And Thordberg gets wind of this and starts trying to like patch it in to his like his affiliate in yeah, like, he, L.A. His like camera tech guy is on the plane too and is, like starts fiddling with all his equipment, which for some reason they allowed him to take in the cabin. Yeah, that's. And they end up they end up catching wind of this, and he so he steals one of the airplane phones, which like the little phone you slide the credit card in, it costs you like thirty dollars a minute to talk. Mm-hmm. Christ. And he calls his yeah he calls his uh his call, station yeah, his his producer, and he's like giving some like crazy over-the-top report of like what's going on right like he's he's apparently talking about like airplane lord of the flies right <laughs> and like this this movie takes thornburg from just being kind of kind of a sleazy reporter guy from the first i heard into into basically like mr hard mr hard copy yeah like he's just trying to get the sleaziest shittiest stories he possibly can and the stewardesses hate him because he made he did a story about airline stewardesses called, called like bimbos in the air bimbos in the, in the air yeah <laughs> So they fucking hate his guts, and like the fa- and then when they find out that Holly once punched him in the face on live TV, they like start offering her champagne and shit. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's some. There's some certain things like it's totally unnecessary for either of those characters to be back in the movie, but it it's fun that they did that. I right. Like that. I enjoy it. So, so then while yeah, that's happening, eventually I don't. I'm trying to remember how it happens, <laughs> but eventually McLean and Leslie, the art. Bell, mm-hmm. Art Evans, <laughs> figure out that like no, no, he's with he's with Marvin, I think, or with or maybe with Leslie, one of the two. He's he's with one of his Argyles, <laughs> yeah. And they figure out that like 
basically they start tra- tracing all the lines you know all these lines that well you know they cut if they cut these lines they would have had to cut you know that line runs along here 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 and they right, said right, right, right. well this goes through a residential neighborhood at one point and that's and there's a church there and like well if they're going to cut it that's the only place they could cut it that's not actually on the airport so they go out there and they get into a gunfight which is a, a, a false gunfight of sorts yeah um like I think McLean goes out there separately from the special forces right. guys who show up eventually after McLean kills one dude with a, stabbing him in the eye with an icicle. Yeah. yeah, he like they have a really rough and tumble fist fight, and the dude almost like almost knifes McLean in the face, and then McLean grabs an icicle, snaps it off the side of the house, stabs the dude in the face, breaks it off in his head, and then just like looks on in horror, like oh my god, look at the thing I just did. Right, and I'm like ashamed rolls of over. Yeah, yeah, like he starts reaching for it. And I figured he was going to reach for some fl- fire, like a stick of firewood, and just clock like yeah. clock yeah, this guy in the yeah, head, smack him in the face. But that, no, that reminds me of a really stupid like dumb young person thought exercise that okay uh we used to do where well i don't know if it's a thought exercise basically some someone decided the only way you could get away with murder is to kill somebody with an icicle because the murder weapon would i've heard that yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah. then the murder weapon disappears right but there's a such thing as dna i guess <laughs> what you gotta do is you gotta kill someone with a like a hardened like stick made out of peanut butter because then a dog will come and lick the weather away. <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay i i'm getting things out of order in this movie and well, but that but because at some point also like the plane like um the general like kills everyone else in the plane and flies and like lands in himself yes mclean runs out mclean like assaults him on yeah, the runway he, he runs out onto the runway and like assaults him then Stewart's guys show up and throw a bunch of grenades in the plane. So McLean jump like uses the uses the ejector seat on the airplane to like knock him like eject himself the fuck right. out of the airplane in the middle of an explosion. Which is like if you've never seen Die Hard two, that's the one scene you yeah, I know you've seen because like that's it's the in one every they single all, trailer. Yeah, it's in every trailer. It's in like every TV ad for Die Hard. It's in every like awesome tough guy movie montage you right. see on like AMC or whatever. Like John McLean uh, ejector seating himself out of a plane is like apparently like iconic in the die hard franchise wow. i don't know but you've seen that scene and it's it's the it's the dumbest scene in the movie yeah in a, in a scene full in a movie full of dumb scenes you know we should have kept account when we were watching this of how many times he was in like the way of certain death and then magically you know yeah, he got himself out at the last like, second himself out of it yeah, yeah. At, at, like the last second because he does it a lot yeah, it's, it's like one of his trademarks, and they just hit, they just beat that note as hard as they can, as yeah. often as they can. <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking of like three right off the top of my head, and I know that there mm-hmm. had to have been more than that. And like that, that scene in particular is is made more ridiculous because like uh, he's he's hiding in the cockpit, and like they shoot out all the windows, and then Stewart says, "Hey guys, how many how many grenades you got?" And one guy says, "Oh, three, each of us." So they all throw nine grenades into the cockpit, one by one. By one, and you think like how long have we fucking fuse these things? Yeah, have? these things have like super fuses or something. Well, also, why do you need more than one? That's like an enclosed space. Yeah, with an airplane that has like fuel in it, it's gonna blow the fuck up no right. matter how many you put in. Yeah, it's uh, that's just overkill at that yeah, point. It, yeah, but that's I guess that's the I guess that's the idea because they just want to make sure McLean is dead. But what a waste of your fucking ammo, though. Yeah, you could have used one and then had eight more to greet him when he came back down. Right, exactly, just in case. Oh, I do want to point out, everyone in this movie knows McLean, by the way, because they know him as that Nakatomi guy. Yeah, yeah, like Die Hard is very much a movie that happened in the, in Die Hard 2. 
Yeah. And like he he's like he's famous and everyone knows his uh oh yeah like everyone knows him and kind of hates him for it too. Yeah, yeah the one weird. the one guy was like, you know, I read about you in People magazine, but your nightline interview kind of sucked. Christ. <laughs> yeah. Which I like that they brought back the whole, like, oh, I read about you in People, because that's what Hans Gruber said about yeah. Yasser Arafat in the oh, first movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, and Die Hard 2 keeps making these little callbacks to the first movie. Not at all necessary, because, yeah. like, of course, we've all seen Die Hard, as evidenced by the fact that we're watching Die Hard 2. Right. But it makes nods like that, and, like, Powell is back, and we've got two Argyles. And like there's... he has to crawl through like a duct. Yeah, yeah. And he has he he keeps taking his his shirts off. <laughs> and in the first movie, like his his shirt becomes black because he's been like crawling around in the dust. And this one, it's red because he's just bleeding from every fucking right. Board. I I liked how like progressively dirtier he got throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like he first he was like sooty and then bloody and sweaty. Even like right down to we'll get and we're we'll, we're gonna get to it, but even right down to like. John and Holly being carted away at the end by one of the Argyles to let it snow. <laughs> it snow, right. let it snow. It's like it's it's fucking Die Hard all over again. Yeah. Jesus. Like how hard did you have to try to make this Die Hard? Yeah. But okay. where were we? Uh, we were at the church where the special forces guys show up for a gunfight, mm-hmm. and they brought blanks to a gunfight. Yeah, they, they they are they load up all their they they kill. This is the, do they kill the one guy at this point or later? I think that at this point they kill him. Yeah, they kill him. The the one guy who's like new to their platoon, they kill him. Yeah. And afterward, all, what's that? Afterward, did they do? Okay, yeah, because they load they load all their guns up with blue with uh, card like magazines that have blue tape around. Them. Right. And you see the guys in the church. They take they they pick up their guns and they hear these guys are coming and take out ones that have red tape around them and replace the ones that have blue tape on them. Right. Yeah. And they have a big old crazy gunfight and then escape on the snowmobiles mm-hmm. when McLean chase are chasing after them, and as he's chasing after them. Um, Stewart switches out his blue clip for a red clip and gets into a gunfight with McLean. And McLean, like, you know, he's shooting at him, doesn't get anything. And then, and Stewart hits his snowmobile. He goes crazy and, like, flies off a snowbank and explodes, but he jumps away. But they think he's dead, so they, right. they leave. Yeah, that was one of the ones I was thinking of. Yeah. So Jumping then, off oh, the snow ski. So then, then uh, maybe, I don't know, the best scene of the movie happens where McLean storms back into the airport and confronts uh Lorenzo and like basically throws him up against a wall and then tries to shoot him everybody's like oh my god John McLean's gonna murder fucking Dennis France <laughs> and he just unloads the clip and nothing happens because yeah. they're all blanks he's like he's like the soldiers are shooting fucking blanks and at that point Lorenzo's like okay maybe we should call some real cops mm-hmm. yeah because it turns out that the the special forces guy and and Stewart and the general are all in cahoots to yeah. escape together yes Presumably just because they're, like... Old army buddies. They're old army buddies, yeah, and they're all in it for the corruption and the money, basically. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's Reagan's America. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's Bush's America at this point, but same same difference, right? Uh, so, not quite. 1990? Well, the election happened in 19... 19- no, 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 never mind. You're Bush right. Senior. 1988. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. at this point, he gets... He gets Lorenzo on his side, but the airport is just in a complete clusterfuck because of Thornburg's reporting. Right. And then Fred Thompson, who is the, the, the chief of the airport, Senator Fred Thompson's in this movie, guys. <laughs> um, he's He kind of believes McLean at every turn. Like, he's the one who's like, yeah, I get it. I, I know what you're saying. And he's, then, yeah, he, he's more like, his, his, idea, his perspective, I think, is more like, last time McLean was talking about this shit, crazy stuff happened, so I should probably at least humor him right. to some extent. 
There's a scene where he's like, uh, like was when one like the first plane that crashes and explodes. He's like, was that your was that the cre- the horrible thing you were expecting? And McLean's like, no, no, this ain't it. <laughs> nah, dog. <laughs> nah, dog. <laughs> so then he ends up the the reporter who was hitting on him earlier. The, yeah, the lady reporter is with him in an elevator. Yeah, no, this is before that. That, that was before he yeah, escaped. He like jumped out the top of the elevator. But right. any, anyway, like he gets like hit on randomly by like the reporter and like the information booth lady. Yeah, they keep. Yeah, which which means they must know who he is, right? Yeah, and he Maybe. like shows off his wedding ring or whatever to him. Right. But it's like one of those things where it's weird that it happens a couple of times. If they would have leaned into it and like every woman was like, "Hey, McLean, want to fuck?" Right. It would like if they leaned into the joke, it would have been funny. Otherwise, right. but as it is, it's just kind of like, like once is once is a joke, twice is is a, is it a just weird gets a little gross. Yeah, you got to you yeah. got to either do it just once or do it with every single Right. <laughs> every woman he passes like throws herself at him. Like like the old woman on the plane is like, you know, "Oh, your husband's McLean? Let me take my panties off." It's no. like it's like the it's like the South Park rule where like if you can do a joke once, great. Twice Okay, twenty times, awesome. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of the end of Black Dynamite when the like two ladies, the fucking first lady and the other one, uh, oh, like crawl oh, crawl yeah. up to him and it becomes like the movie poster. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just like every woman needs to throw herself at John McClane. So he he like gets up in the news helicopter and jumps on top of the the plane that all of the army guys are fleeing in. Yeah, like the giant jumbo jet that's that's escaping. Yeah, basically. he he like. Clogs up the airplane's like flaps with his with his uh his coat. jacket so it can't yeah. fly out. And then Sadler and Grant, I'm pretty sure that guy's name is Grant. I might be wrong about that okay. though. But they they go out on the wing and and uh, it's Stewart, not Sadler, but either, Sadler yes. Stewart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He decides to watch the other guy like fist fight McLean, and McLean throws him into the jet engine. Mm-hmm. And as he does, he sees there's a fuel dump like lever on the side of the uh, on the side of the wing, right which there. again, just like the fucking altitude knob, is not. Maybe it's a thing that exists. I don't know. I think there would be a way to empty the fuel there on an should, airplane. I mean, but there like, should be, but it seems way too convenient that, for that, a movie like yeah. this. That it, it's the, like the fact so that exposed. it's the fact that it's a guy who's like hanging off the side of the wing can reach it seems like a weird place to put it. Like it's yeah. like I said, it's there for the wing gremlins. Yeah, it must. Yeah, it must be there for the Apparently, gremlins. Yeah, it's only there to give William Shatner a hard time. Yeah, <laughs> but he ends up. Yeah, he ends up getting into a fight with uh, Stewart then, and Stewart kicks him off the plane, but. But as he's getting kicked off the plane, he pulls the fuel dump open, mm-hmm. and the plane just goes goes further down the runway, which is apparently ninety miles long, and is yeah. dumping fuel the entire time. And he goes yippee motherfucker, and throws a lighter down, mm-hmm. and the fuel trail goes back up the airplane. The airplane explodes, and then all the other airplanes see the explosion, like, oh hey, that's a runway, cool, right? That's the it's it's too perfect, it's right? Almost too perfect, yeah. And uh, plus, there's like a fire line they can yeah, follow. Yeah, exactly. that's that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Because he tried it before. He tried to like light you know light two torches up and yeah. wave his arms around the air, on the runway for that one plane, but no dice because it's no. it's snowing and, and windy and dark and like who can see shit? Yep. But uh, yeah, like the, when they finally saw him, it was already too late to pull up, right? And I, I do want to point out that the, yeah, yeah, this air this airline runway. Might be the longest runway in film history because, like, there's no way a plane can go that far. Yeah, the thing was going for a while, and all the dudes, like, before it blew up, are just like in the cabin partying, just and chilling, smoking, and, yeah. like blowing smoke rings. And yeah, just shit. To make sure you don't feel sorry for any of these guys when they blow up. There's a yeah. guy like literally blowing smoke rings on a cigar. Douche chills, man. <clears throat> but like, no, this isn't the longest runway. The longest runway in film history is in Fast and Furious Six. Really? Because like, there's like the planes trying to take off, and like. Six Fast and Furious like dude cars, they like grapple hook onto the plane to try and stop it, and it's like ten minutes long, and it must it must be like 
I don't know, a 50-mile runway or something. <laughs> it's ridiculous. If you haven't seen Fast and Furious 6, it's not great, but it's hilarious. I haven't seen any Fast and Furious. Oh, man. Are any of them set at Christmas? <sighs> no. Oh, that's too bad. It's a shame. It really yeah. is. The Fast and the Festive. Oh, my God. <laughs> the Festive and the Furious. All right, and then, yeah, he meets back up with Holly, and then Marvin drives them off in his little maintenance janitor golf cart yeah. to let it snow. And let it snow. the movie. Well, when they meet back oh. up, Holly, it's like this scene where, you know, they, they see each other and make eyes for a minute, and then she has to slide down the inflatable slide. <laughs> yeah. Like, that just, like, kills it. What the fuck? This is, I don't know. It's, it's, <clears throat> it's a pretty good moment, because, like, you, you're, you're about to exit the plane that you thought was going to crash. Right. So, you're like, you're alive. It's great. Your husband's down there, and he's alive. And look, I get to slide down this <laughs> right. slide. She's like, wee! <laughs> Life old. could not be any better. <coughs> Cut to Die Hard three, and everything's fallen apart. And Joe Jesus. and I both thought both thought about the episode of Rocco's Modern Life where they're on the airplane to France and it crashes, and Heifer goes up and down the slide like four times. <laughs> couldn't help it. Just could not help it. Yeah, but yeah. That's Die Hard. Die Hard two. So if, what do we actually? So if if that plot sounds very like herky jerky and kind of circuitous and like nothing really connects to each other, well. That's that's the, that's the movie. It's, it's kind of missing a certain Die Hard element, which is the like the the misdirection because the 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 yeah the, the, yeah you're the right. Special Forces guys double cross everyone else, but that's not really misdirection. Like it needed to start with like the 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 Stewart guy going rogue because he's like you know we're not gonna let this go to trial. We're taking him down. Like something like that to lead it off with. That right. would have been a good misdirection. Like the, the same type of misdirection one and three and actually four for that matter half yeah. and. Okay, so like in the first Die Hard, Hans Gruber shows up, and it's it's like a political terrorism action where he's got a very very well grounded motive, and he's got you know a point of view and, and things that he was trying to accomplish. But it turns out it's all just a heist, right? Yeah. And there's not that in this movie. It's it's kind of it's always stated that it's just a rescue mission. Yeah, it's, it's straight up just political terrorism. Yeah, basically. it is, <laughs> and, and it's never about the money. Yeah. I mean, they could have well, like, it, tried it, to it, ransom the airport. It is and isn't about the money because it's it's about the fact that they're going to continue trading drugs with this. Well, dude. yeah, but that's not like you know we're we're gonna we're gonna hold this airport hostage unless and and take away this you know valuable political terrorist unless you deliver fifty million dollars in a in, in, and an airplane. Right. Yeah. Like they they specifically demand an airplane to escape with, but that's not quite the same. Yeah. You know. So like. As far as the plot goes, it's just it's it's not the same kind of like John said misdirect, but every other element in the movie is very much trying to make this a diehard sequel as hard as it possibly can. Yeah, and I think that is why Rennie Harlan is the filmmaker he is today, because he tried so hard to make a good diehard movie. I think it literally drove him crazy. Oh wow, that's my opinion. That's what I feel. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not. So does Bruce Willis keep saying "Yippee ki yay, motherfucker"? Yes. Okay. Yes, he does. That's all I need. Um, he definitely... I, I know he says it in three. He says it in three. He says it in four, but they, they basically censor out the fucker with a gunshot. Right, because it's a PG-13 movie. Oh, my God. I've, Which is, I've seen the R-rated version, and it's and, and the Yippee-Kaye motherfucker is just honestly not as good. Aww. Even with the full, like, swearing. Yeah. Um, too bad. And then in five, you know, I've seen five. I know it's in there. I could not tell you when or how. That's that's too bad. It, yeah, what a waste. 
which is really weird that that caught on as the catchphrase because it's like it has context in the first movie, but not in any of the other ones. Yeah, and also in the first movie, it's not like a like a, a huge shouted like exclamation. It's just like a very quiet like yeah fuck you kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and in in subsequent films, he just like you became a motherfucker, and then he fires a gun or something. Right. I just got paid a bunch of money for saying this. Yeah, pretty much. So let's talk about Christmas real quick. This movie takes place on Christmas Eve because it's 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 supposed to be a year after the events of the first Die Hard. Right. And there are Christmas decorations everywhere and it's snowing. And that's about it. Yeah, that's about yeah. it. That's about it. There's this, yeah, there's like this, no Christmas. This movie. movie takes place at, at Christmas because Die Hard took place at Christmas. Exactly. There's not even like a fucking Christmas song. Is there is there even any like recurring theme in this movie like there is in one no. and three? No. So that, that's totally a McTiernan thing. Yeah. But. Like in, in in one it's 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 Ode to Joy, and in three it's uh, Johnny Come March, when Johnny Comes Marching Home. Yeah. Okay. Which it, which itself is not a Christmas thing, but, but then it, three is not set at yeah, Christmas. Not set okay. At Christmas, so you don't need it. Did these come out around Christmas? One and two. No, uh, I this one came out in July. This one came out in June, like when, when we yeah. watched the trailers that said like June twenty sixth. I think. Oh wow. Okay. So these are like big summer blockbusters. Okay. Which I think is, which personally I think is neat. Like if you're gonna set up, make a huge summer blockbuster, then like get people to come to the theater and see snow to cool off or yeah. something. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's like turn a, the AC way down. It's a dumb marketing ploy, but you know what? It works. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like sweating right now. <laughs> it's. I know it's hot. It's yeah. like 600 degrees outside. Pretty I, much. I think the Earth is falling into the sun right now. To Probably. be honest, I think it's like that Twilight Zone episode. I think it's like that Rob Thomas song. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like one of my favorite games to play out when it's hot like, is Icewind Dale because just <laughs> run, run around the mountains, kill goblins. <laughs> yeah, yep. Oh man! So now I'm just I'm just thinking about like cool movies to watch during the summer. Now I need to start playing Skyrim again so I can just run around snowy lands, <laughs> killing goblins. Yes. Yep. And people. See, when I think cool movies to watch during the summer, for some reason, cool the, only th- the only thing I think of is Snowpiercer, which isn't really cool because it's it's like very angry and kind of right. pissed off and political and shit. But it's it's cool. It, it, it works. How about Better Off Dead? Yeah, Better Off Dead. I'll 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 I'll, I'll dig on that. How about Fargo? Oh, man, <laughs> mm, I want. It, it's got to be fun. <laughs> What's not fun about Fargo? Everything. Okay, so you know that movie Out Cold. I think I do. The, the, the snowboarding the late nineties that... snowboarding comedy has Zach Galifianakis yeah, and Lee Majors. Yeah, okay, it. yeah. That's one of those movies where it seems like the movie is trying to be like a like a homage or parody to another type of movie. Is like were like snowboarding movies a big thing in the like are ski lodge movies a big thing in the eighties though? I don't think so. I think it's just better off dead. Yeah. Like again, like that that one South Park episode. Where they all go to Aspen and, and Stan has to like compete in a ski challenge. Like ski? it's it's specifically about Better Off Dead, I think, because like what other movie could it possibly ski be? Ski feel then, like then an again, 80s thing. Then again, in it's though. not about Better Off Dead. It's, it's not, but it's totally not though, because it has none of the same beats to it at all. Like it doesn't really have any. Because it, it's right. It's, it's, it's the, like a pastiche of every like eighties kids movie, basically. Like, yeah. You know, oh, we're gonna go save the youth center and all that. Blah blah. blah. Right. And, well, yeah, and, and Better Off Dead, like the ski challenge is kind of like it's tangential to like everything else in the movie because. Better Off Dead is already on its own kind of kind of schizophrenic, to be perfectly honest. What, what's that other movie? Shit, I just, I, I just came to mind. Um, let me, I actually want to think about this, so I'll just like fucking cut this part out. Okay. What the fuck was it? It was Cool Runnings. Think, no, it wasn't Cool Runnings. I was think because I was thinking about like Hot Tub Time Machine. 
Oh, yeah. Like, Hot Tub Time Machine, too. Like, it goes back to the 80s, and they're at a ski lodge. But it's like, what the fuck are these people even referencing? Like, with Wet Hot American Summer, it's basically referencing meatballs, as far as I can tell. it's just meatballs. Well, I'm not a movie thing, but like I said a second ago when you were talking, um, I don't know, ski lodges just feel like an 80s thing in general to me. Yeah, sort of, yeah. The only time I've ever been in a ski lodge was, like, right at the end of the 80s. I've... I was was a young child. The only time I've ever been on a ski lodge was three. It was four, no, four years ago. Yeah, but it was in the middle of June. Oh Jesus! And it was for a wedding, so I didn't even get like the, any of the benefits of like being at a ski lodge. Right, I was like a four-year-old. So. Right. The fucking weirdest. The one of the weirdest experiences of my life was going to a wedding in the middle of nowhere in Minnesota to a ski lodge in June. Oh wow. And like, like take because like the ski lift up to like the actual top of the mountain, like uh-huh. place where they were having the wedding reception. The ski lifts you had to like it, it's it, like enclosed ski lifts, but like one to a person, uh-huh. and it's like a long way up. Oh Jesus! And it's like open air cabs. <laughs> you like look down and you just hear the water trickling down and like eagles flying overhead, and you're like, shit. That's terrifying. It's, it it was a nightmare. It was, like, a beautiful place, and the wedding was fine yeah. and everything, but, like... I don't like chairlifts anyway, so... No. And then coming back down at midnight and drunk in the middle of the night, and it's pitch black dark, I was scared to death. That's just asking <laughs> to, like, puke all over yourself. It's, oh, yeah. I had fun. Yeah. Yeah, the one time I was in a ski lodge, I was four, and so my brother must have been ten. And I remember that there was a telephone booth, like, you know, like a slidey door, like a Superman telephone booth inside the ski lodge. And my brother shut me in the telephone booth and oh, I couldn't no. open it. And then some fucking old ass ancient man, like, scolded me. For, for being in the telephone booth. Yeah, for booth. playing in the phone booth. I was upset. I could, I, I, I could imagine. Yeah. Quit playing Doctor Who in my telephone booth. <laughs> Maybe it was the doctor and he was pissed off because I got into the TARDIS. <laughs> you see, it's not it's not bigger on the inside. Well, it's huge to me because I was a four-year-old. Well, right. <laughs> I was a child. Okay, so uh, final thoughts on Die Hard 4. Not, not 4, 2. Oh, God. Uh, Timothy Oliphant was great. No. <laughs> uh, so Die Hard 2 is not anybody's favorite Die Hard movie. No. no. I can't imagine. It, it was very boring. I honestly barely watched it. I, I kept trying to, and then I was just like, fuck this. And I, play games I, on my phone. I, I perfectly like played Futurama Game of Drones on my tablet and watched this movie at the same time. Like, I'm a dumb, I, didn't, I didn't miss anything about the movie. I'm a dumb fuck, and I watched it straight through with no yeah. inter- with no nothing. I, I couldn't. I, I needed other stuff yeah, to but, do. But my but, point is more is I, I, right. I, as, as convoluted and bullshit as the plot was, and as, as hard it is to remember it, I followed it perfectly while I was watching it, right. while distracted half the time. Like, yeah. it's, it's a very good background noise movie. Kind right, of like, like, pretty much. What you said at the beginning, yeah. Kind of like Speed, or something like that. Where it's yeah, like, exactly. It's it's very much like Speed, in that in that respect. Speed's way better, though, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, it. it's one of those movies where, like, the Hollywood, like, action movie example, like I, I mentioned when we were watching the movie, was that, like... Every 15 minutes, there has to be some kind of action thing happening. Right. So Die Hard 2, every 15 minutes, like, like every 15 minutes, there's an act, there's a gunfight. Right. And it's just like, all of the guns in the world go out at the same time. Pretty much. And then John McClane yells at people for 15 minutes about nothing. Yeah. And then he goes to another place, and then another shootout happens. 
And it's like, how do y'all have, how do you guys have any more guns at this point? Yeah. But they do. And then people start dying. And, and then John McClane yeah. goes to their place and explains everything again. And you're just like, God, just get on with it and blow something up already. Yeah. Two of the deaths gross me out. The first one, or no, not the, the first one, the, the second one. The icicle thing in the no, eye. No, no, that one didn't bother the me. The dude getting the, his head crushed. Yeah, the guy getting his head crushed on the roller, like in the oh, baggage yeah, area. yeah, yeah. And the fucking guy going through the jet engine, because I saw that coming for like, you know, 30 seconds before it actually happened, and I was already cringing and just going, oh, gross. Yeah. You know? Yes. <laughs> before. Bad so, time. So another thing to point out, like, um, there's a lot of like gunfire and like gun fights in this movie. Yeah. And in Die Hard One and Die Hard Three, which especially those two because they're both directed by John McTiernan. Right. There's really not that much. Like there are straight up just fifteen terrorists in Die Hard One. Yeah. And in Die Hard Three, there is a there's a bit of it's a handful. Yeah. Yeah. But in this one, they make it they make it very clear that like John McClane says, "Yeah, I killed six guys," and Dennis Franz is like, "Great, how many are there? We don't know." <laughs> no, they just kind of keep coming. Yeah, yeah. Like this movie is a lot more fast and loose with let's have a bunch of gunfights in it than the other two Die Hard, like one and three are. Yeah, it it feels much more like a. I know this is this is okay. This is a very like pat standard like complaint to have about a movie, and I'm sorry that I have it, but like, it's it's very much like a. Yeah, the studio just wants to make, to make another Die Hard movie, so let the producers tell them what to do, and yeah, put some gunfights in it, and right. have some fucking blood and guts and shit. And it's just you can see you can see like the thought process of like how to put together a Die Hard movie, and none of like the heart of a Die Hard movie. Yeah, yeah. and it's just de- it's depressing. It's really depressing. The gunfights got kind of boring, honestly, too. I'd rather yeah. see a lot of explosions. Which, I mean, there were some of those. <laughs> the explosions but... were good. Like, the two yeah. or three explosions were pretty good. Yeah. But that's but... also the thing with Die Hard 1 is there's there's less gunfights, so when there is a gunfight, it feels more meaningful. Yeah. Right. And, like, half of the point of those gunfights is, like, okay, how many bullets does John McClane have left? Or, yeah. some, or something to that effect. It's not, like, infinite ammo. Right, because, like, it, it, it adds... There, oh, my God. It adds tension to a gunfight. Yeah. It, it, it makes the scenes tense. It makes you care if or when he's going to escape this situation. Yeah. And in this one, it's just like, he's just going to shoot everything. Yeah, he, Why was he, the situation trying to shoot him? He, he apparently, he apparently in, the, in Die Hard 2, has the gun from Doom, because he never needs to reload it. Yeah, yeah. for real. <clears throat> but... Where so, is the gun from Dune? I don't know. Can we put up a picture of the taco demon? Yes. What? <laughs> it's a taco with the cake of demon's face put on the side of it. It's the taco demon. Okay. I... I Die Hard 2 has kind of worn down my resistance at this point. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, let's close this thing out. Let's talk about the yeah. crankometer here for a bit. Okay. Um, how Christmassy is Die Hard 2? Not. There, there's a couple of trappings at the beginning and end. I, I would hesitate to even give it a one. Yeah. I, I would be fine with zero. I don't want to go into negatives because negatives are for movies like, that yeah. abuse Christmas and like actively tr- actively work against it. Yeah. This one just kind of ignores it. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Christmas Zero. How good is this movie really? Uh, like And that's another thing. It's not actually a bad badly made movie. It's just mm. really heartless and it's, boring. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of like Ghostbusters 2. It's like, you yeah. know, it's like I'm fine watching this movie, but at the same time I acknowledge that I would be I I could spend my time better watching a better movie. Right, like the first one. Just yeah. stick it right at zero, zero, fuck it. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay, so this is like the heart of our crankometer here. Yes. 
<laughs> Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2. Die Hard 1 is like the fucking top it's, of the crankometer. Die Hard, Die Hard 1 and Pee Wee's Christmas are like at both. One's at 4.5, the other's 5.4. Yeah. I forget which yeah. one you put as which. Yeah. Pee Wee's at 5.4 because Pee Wee is like way more Christmas. No. Yeah, Pee Wee's way more yeah. Christmassy, but Die Hard's just a better movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. So if we want to have the opposite end of the spectrum, we're going to have to watch Die Hard 5, oh which, is, which is neither a good movie nor has anything to do with Christmas. Okay. <laughs> I'm down. But um, not for another three years. Yeah, you know, well, how for, many more fucking birthdays am I going to be doing this goddamn podcast for? I, that's, <laughs> I don't know. Them. That's entirely up to you and entirely up to our listeners. Um, we have so listeners. We do have listeners. Hi, Brad. Uh, believe it or not, we do have listeners. I'm I'm, const- I'm consistently amazed at when like when we kind of go quiet for a week or so. Yeah. And then I go to, to the, our Libsyn account and look at the download numbers. And holy crap, we've got like... You know, three people that discovered the whole podcast this week or something like that. Jesus. I, so I know y'all are out there and I appreciate it and I love y'all for it. So if you have any questions, comments, and or requests for new episodes, you can email us at xmascreeps at gmail.com. Find us on the Twitters at, at Christmas Creeps. Uh, go to Facebook and find us. We're the Skull with the Candy King Crossbones. Just, uh, just uh, type in Christmas Creeps and search. We'll come right up. And finally, if you love us or if you hate us, go to iTunes and tell the world about us. Go give us a star rating and a review. Mm-hmm. It lets people know that uh, we are a real podcast people listen to. Yes. And finally, if you do like us at all, tell a friend. I should start putting this at the beginning of the podcast. I think I did it once. Yeah. Just to make sure, just to see if people are listening. Right. Because <laughs> who knows if anybody actually makes it to the end of this stupid thing. Especially I don't know. tonight. The yeah. fucking stinker of a movie like that. Stinkers abound. <clears throat> but uh, come back again. We have uh, we, we we're starting to think up some fun stuff to do for Christmas in July. We'll uh, we'll fill you in on that as it as it becomes available. We can have July at Christmas in July. We could. Ooh. Oh. We. You know what's coming when does, out when does, soon. Yeah. When, when, when does that come out? In like three weeks. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Uh, we'll think about that. Uh, yeah. But we'll let you know. So come back uh, in two weeks or sometime this month. We'll have another episode out before too long. Uh, we're, we're more of a two episodes a month podcast now than we are like an every two weeks episode podcast. Right. And it's partially my fault because my I have a weird schedule. Life happens, basically. And in this case, it, it was kind of my fault because we, we, tried, we were going to do it last week and then I got sick. So yeah, I was it, and I was sick the week before that. You know, life happens, but you know what? Sometimes this podcast happens too. Uh, <laughs> and I think I think that's the note I'm going to have to leave it on because I, it's not getting any better than that, guys. Wow. Uh, so good night and have a happy yo-yo day. Bye. Letting your ass the shit in your brains. Yeah.